You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast episode number 42. And today we are going to talk to our friend Bethany, who is a local mom and our friend and a doula. And she's taken our VBAC doula certification training and she's had a VBAC and she's pretty amazing. We love her so much. And she's going to share her story about how she, she overcame the same circumstances that led to her C-section to end up having a VBAC for the second for her second birth, which is really exciting. But before we do that, Megan is going to share our review of the week. Hi, guys. Happy Wednesday. Today's review is from Rachel, and this is actually one of my own clients. And by the time this podcast airs, she will probably have rocked her VBAC by now. So we're excited. Her review says, as I'm preparing for my VBAC myself with Megan as my doula, yay, (laughs) I have found positive VBAC birth stories so helpful, especially the ones shared on this podcast. I cannot wait for more. We'll have to have her on the podcast. Definitely. In the next round of recordings. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. This episode is brought to you by Earth Mama Organics, our favorite company making organic herbal care for women during all stages of pregnancy and postpartum, as well as their sweet little babies. Earth Mama Organics products are ones we recommend to all of our clients, and we have both personally used their products during pregnancy and the postpartum stage to help us heal. I personally love their organic perineal balm. It feels like sitting on a cloud. After I had my VBAC, you guys, I am so serious. Secret, my father-in-law actually still uses his own jar for his hemorrhoids. He loves it. He'll never use anything else. (laughs) And I loved the taste of their third trimester tea. That mint was a perfect little ad. And I also saw a big difference in my scar after my second cesarean with using the organic skin and scar balm. Their products are incredible, and we have only listed just a few. They have everything you need and more. I mean, really, though, they even have deodorant and sunscreen. You guys, check them out. Earth Mama Organics at earthmamaorganics.com. And enjoy a special gift from them to all our VBAC Link listeners and receive 20% off everything. This promo is good through the end of April. Get your 20% off today by entering the promo code VBAC. Big thanks to Earth Mama Organics for supporting the VBAC link and check out their website on our website as well. You can find all our current sponsors at the vbaclink.com slash sponsor. All right. Bethany is amazing. I cannot wait to hear the full details of her story. And I'm just going to go ahead and get right into it. Bethany, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and share your story with us? Yeah. Hello, everybody. 
I'm Bethany, and I live in Utah with Julian Megan. I have a three-year-old son, and then I just had my V back in June, so she's six months old. And um, so I'll start by talking about my C-section because it's important as to why my VBAC was so healing and how they were kind of similar. So um, with my C-section, I found out that I was expecting and it was kind of unplanned, but it was going to be good. I had always wanted to be a mom and so I was really excited anyway. And the pregnancy was pretty normal not super eventful. I um, was working as a hairstylist during my pregnancy. And uh, the only thing that was kind of weird about it was they kept changing my due date, like over and over and saying that he was measuring big and switching things around. So I was due July 26th of 2015. And I ended up having him on June 27th, which would have put him four weeks early. But I don't think that he was early. I, I still mm. think that they messed up my due date somehow because he was eight pounds at 36 weeks. Oh, nice. So I'm like, I don't know. I mean, he could have just been big, but I don't know. I think that my due date was still messed up. So he was actually on time. <laughs> I don't know. But the way that that labor went was it was actually the night after my last, after um, a prenatal, my 36 week prenatal, they were like, yeah, you still got a while to go. They checked me, said that I was like barely, like not even dilated, like maybe a half or whatever. And they were like, yeah, you've still got four weeks left. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't think so though. Cause I just knew it. I knew something was happening. So that day after my appointment, I went home and I like showered and shaved and like took off all my makeup and just kind of like waited. And my mom's like, what are you doing? Cause I was living with my parents at the time. And I was like, I just feel like this baby's coming. I'm just going to wait for him to come. And she's like, yeah, you still have like a month. I was like, I don't know. So that night, I ended up feeling kind of weird. Like, that's the best way I could describe it. But I wasn't feeling super great, which some people kind of describe that as how labor starts. Is you kind of feel like yucky or like sick or something. I just felt off. And um, I was like worried for some reason that it might be my blood pressure. I was like, wonder if my blood pressure is high or something, or I don't know. So I went into labor and delivery, and they decided to monitor me, and they were like, well, you're having contractions. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know. Okay. And they said that there was a little bit of protein in my urine, and that my blood pressure was a little high, but they said they weren't too worried about it. So they were like, just go home. you still got four weeks left. You're going to be fine. Just watch your blood pressure. So I was like, okay. So I went back home. And, like, two hours later, I felt like I had to go diarrhea, like, way bad. I mm. think I actually did go diarrhea, <laughs> but then it's still, like, That's I still really common, though. Like that. Yeah, very common. Yep, your body's like, getting ready. Like, it didn't go away from, from relieving that. I just kept feeling my breath. So I was like, oh, this is awful. And it was, like, one in the morning. So I was up, and everyone in my house was sleeping still. And I was like, oh, this is awful. And I kept trying to sit on the toilet to, like make that go away and it just would never go away so I went upstairs and I was just like pacing that's like what I felt like I needed to do is I just kept pacing and then pretty soon my mom came out her bedroom and she's like what are you doing she's like are you in labor and I'm like I don't think so I just feel like I need to walk around and 
I'm kind of so crampy, but I've gone to the bathroom, so I don't know. And she's like, well, let's just go back to the hospital. I'm like, we were just at the hospital, so I don't think they're going to tell me anything new. But I was like, let me just try and go to the bathroom again. So I went to the bathroom, and there was just all this blood. And I started to freak out. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, Mom, come look at this. So my mom came in the bathroom, and she's like, that's not normal. That's too much blood. Let's go in. So we went in, and I was just, I kept thinking, my baby's dead or something. Because I didn't know much about anything. Like, I hadn't really, like, thought about birth. I didn't have a birth plan. I wasn't afraid for birth. I just kind of, like, was going to go with whatever happened. And I didn't do a lot of research at that point in time. So we went to the hospital, and they totally dismissed the bleeding thing. They were like, but you are in labor, so you're going to stay here. And I was like, okay. And um, they asked me, how far apart are your contractions? And I was like, there's, I can't, they're not timeable. Like, there's no space. And they were like, oh, okay. And they just kind of dismissed that. But I kind of felt like that was weird. I was like, everyone says you can time your contractions. And everyone describes them as like waves or things like that, like where there's a break. And my pain did not feel like that. It just felt like solid, continuous pain. So it was very strange. But the on-call doctor came in and decided to check me. And she said that I was dilated to a five. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds good or whatever. And she's like, do you want to get an epidural? And I was like, no, like I wasn't planning to really. And I think I'm okay. And then she just kind of kept coming back and asking me if I wanted an epidural over and over. So pretty soon I was just like, yeah, fine. Give me the epidural. It's fine. Cause I give into pressure really easily. <laughs> and so I kind of, that was like the first thing that I wish I wouldn't have done sort of. So they, they placed the epidural and I just had to lay in bed. So it was the middle of the night and they were just like, you should just sleep. You should just go to sleep cause you're in labor and, and it'll help pass the time. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that sounds good. So I slept and I wish I wouldn't have done that because I slept on my side and I feel like that that was bad, you know, like having my legs closed right on top of one another and I'm a heavier person. I just feel like that wasn't a very good position to be in during labor, you know, mm-hmm. I think that that hindered some things. So my doctor comes in later, it was 12 hours of labor and he comes in and checks me, says that I'm dilated all the way, but that the baby's in a weird position. And I don't remember, or maybe he didn't tell me, or maybe I just didn't know what position he was saying he was in, but he kept like reaching in there and like trying to turn and he kept saying he was trying to turn him manually and Mm. he said it wasn't working and they were trying to get me to push. And so I pushed for two hours and it just was not working out. So he said that I was going to go to C-section and I was just devastated because I didn't give it any thought to really my birth, but I knew I didn't want a C-section because I felt like that sounded really scary. I'd never had surgery mm-hmm. or anything. So I just like started bawling and just kind of tuned out of my body like for the rest of it. I don't really remember much of like anything for the next few days. I was in the hospital for five days and I had lost a ton of blood. Mm. They mentioned something about wanting to give me a blood transfusion, but they never did, which I don't know if that was a mistake or if I think it was a mistake because I was really sick 
for the next few weeks. Like, I think I needed some blood. But, yeah, I don't even really remember my hospital stay. But um, my recovery was bad. It was very bad. Mm. I remember going home. I was, like, still really sad about the C-section. And I was just so sick. Like, I don't know if it was all because of the blood loss or if I had an infection or, like, what. But I recovered. And, like, for weeks, I just wasn't getting any better. And I was huge at the end of this pregnancy, not just, like, weight-wise, but I had retained a lot of fluid. Mm. So I went back for, like, a follow-up, and and my doctor was like, you look terrible. And I'm like, I know. And we found out that I had, like, edema really bad, and it was going into, like, my lungs, and it was going to start going into, like, my heart or other places. They were really worried about it. So they put me on water pills, which was very very sad for me because it meant that my breast milk dried up Mm. but it saved my life yeah so I had to but it was still sad he and my doctor was so kind of rude about it like he's like so are you breastfeeding or formula feeding and I was like I'm breastfeeding he's like well this is going to dry up your milk but formula feeding is better anyway and like I don't know maybe he was trying to make me feel better about it but it was sad like he was he wasn't sensitive (laughs) Like, this is so upsetting for me, but I was very sick. So I took the water pills and I lost like 70 pounds in four days. Wow. It was very nice, though, because after that, I started to feel so much better. So that's part of what was wrong with me. But it was just a really nasty recovery. And plus, I was sad about the C-section and... You know, everybody was just like, oh, well, it's fine, and the baby's way healthy, because my son was, like, perfect. He came out eight pounds, totally healthy, no complaints. Like, he was great. And so they're like, oh, that's that's awesome. He's so good, and he's just, like, the perfect baby. And I'm like, yeah, but it was awful. And my mom had C-sections, so she's like, well, from now on, you'll just have to schedule C-sections, and it'll just be easy. And I'm like, what? Mm. Because... Like, and after that, like, I automatically thought, and I didn't even know what VDAC was, but I just kind of thought, that was awful, but next time I'll just try again. And I didn't know that that wasn't allowed, according to some people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what? I was like, you don't, you don't do that. And she's like, yeah, after you have a C-section, you just have to schedule C-sections. And I was so upset because I knew I wanted more babies in the future, but it was not going to be like that. <laughs> Not with all the crap that I went through. So I started researching and found out about that VBAC is a thing. And I joined a whole bunch of like mom groups on Facebook and researched a whole bunch. I probably researched the whole next three years up until I got pregnant. Good for <laughs> you. VBAC baby. Really? Because I just couldn't stop. I was I was like, I, I know I'm going to have babies in the future. And some people thought I was kind of crazy about it too because... I was single, so, like, you know, there wasn't really, like, a guarantee that I was going to have another baby, but I was like, I do want more babies in the future, and when I do, I want to be really ready, so I just researched and researched, and I just knew I was going to have another baby, like, soon. I don't know. I I felt like it was going to be soon, even though I, like, didn't have a husband or anything, (laughs) but I ended up meeting a guy three years later. And I ended up living in with him, me and my son, and then I got pregnant with my daughter, and I was, like, so scared <laughs> when I found out, because I was like, this 
is the moment that I have been preparing for and it's yeah. actually here and I have to do everything perfect. Aww. So I was like really stressed out. But I was really excited because I was like, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I'm going to do this and it, I know how to do everything. And mm-hmm. I know everything that went, that like that I think went wrong that I could have changed or whatever. So I felt ready, but I was still like really nervous. And my family immediately was like, so you're going to schedule a C-section, right? And I'm like, no. And they're like, what? And everybody tried to tell me I was crazy and tried to show me all kinds of facts and whatever that they could do to sway me into doing another C-section. And I was just like, no, I know better now. I've done my research. I'll Mm -hmm. show you mine. (laughs) Like (laughs) It was just this constant battle with them, but I was determined. So... There was a little part of me in the back of my mind, though, that was kind of, like, worried about it, I guess. So I went with a new OB, and he actually asked me, which was I was impressed with. I didn't think that I would be given the option. He asked if I wanted a repeat C-section or if I wanted to do a V-back. And I was like, yeah, I want to have a V-back. So he just asked me, like, what my incision was like and just a few questions. And he's like, yeah, you could totally have a V-back. And I was like... Yay! He's like, but you can't have one at this hospital. And I was like, oh, well, that's not going to work out because that's scary. I don't want to go any further away from here. Yeah. So he was like, well, I, I'll, I will deliver, though, at another hospital in the, the next city over. And I was like, that's nice, but that's still so scary. Like, I want to be, be close because this is scary for me because I'm doing something that everyone thinks is so risky. So then I started to get worried about it, like that maybe I wasn't going to be able to do it. And then there's a birth center in town that I've like been in love with mm-hmm. because it's mermaid birth and mermaid is like mm-hmm. my thing. <laughs> like everyone knows that I'm obsessed with mermaids. Mm-hmm. And so people like almost jokingly would say, you're going to have a baby there because you're obsessed with mermaids. And I'd be like, heck yeah, I am. But also almost jokingly because I didn't think that I could because it was not a hospital but something in me decided to just call them and I was like can I just have like an interview with you or whatever can I just come meet you and and just talk and see if this is even a possibility because on their website they say that they do VBAC and so I was like maybe I can do that and prove everybody extra wrong so I went and met with Danielle and it was so awesome. Like, they are so amazing. She just acted like it was no big deal. She's like, yeah, you can you can do that. Like, no questions about it. You can totally do it. And I'm like, really cool. So I knew my family wasn't going to approve, so I was kind of nervous about, like, telling anybody that I was going to go with them instead of my OB and break up with my OB mm-hmm. and everything. And that whole transition was so scary for me. I was, like, 12 weeks along when I finally decided to switch over or maybe a little further but then I continued my care with them and one of the first things that they wanted was she said that she wanted me to send over my like my information from the hospital and my prenatal stuff from Asher's birth and like my c-section report and so I was kind of curious when I went to the hospital to get that I said can I have a copy as well and so she gave it to me and I read through my c-section report and I was so nervous because I knew it was going to be really triggering but I wasn't prepared (laughs) for what I read they 
wrote in there that I had a placenta abruption, which I didn't know. Yeah. Nobody told me, or if they did, I was, like, really out of it, or I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> but, like, three years later, I knew what that was, and so I was like, wow, I was like, that explains things. And that yeah. makes me, like, kind of irritated that nobody listened to me when I told them that I was bleeding. And when I told them that my contractions were, there was no, they weren't timeable and like all kinds of stuff. Like it was. It all added up for you. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just made me feel like I was just lucky that me and my son were okay after that happening and 12 hours of labor and like all that, because it said in there that there was like blood in my uterus. And that there was, like, a, a huge blood clot. So it had started to clot and everything. So mm -hmm. I was like, wow. I was like, oh, no. This is going to ruin everything. Like, this is going to ruin, like, they're not going to want to take me because this happened. But they did take me on. But she just said that she wanted, Danielle said she wanted to deliver my baby herself instead of someone else on her birth team just to, like, make sure that everything was going yeah. okay and there weren't any signs of anything because she said that there's like a slightly higher chance of a risk of that happening again if it's happened to you before. Mm -hmm. But that it's usually like if you overexert yourself or something and it can happen at any time in pregnancy. I started to kind of learn a few more things about placenta abruption because I was a little worried about it. Anyway, so that was interesting. I was like, why didn't anyone tell me? Like, I would have loved to know that. Or was I taken care of properly? for something like that that happened. I don't mm -hmm. know. It was, like, upsetting to read that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I continued my care with Danielle, and everything seemed like it was going really well. My pregnancy was a little rough just because I was anemic, and I am pretty sure that I had, like, postpartum depression, but during my whole pregnancy, which I didn't know was a thing until recently. Yeah. Because I was just, as soon as I was pregnant, I was just, not mentally quite the same anymore and it was really rough but everything other than that went really well until my 20-week appointment for my anatomy scan she sent me over to the hospital to get that done and she wanted them to check for sure to see how close my placenta was to my c-section scar because my placenta was anterior yeah and so she's like we need to watch that just in case and I didn't know why we would need to watch that. That was something that I hadn't like found, like researched very well. So I started to research like what would be bad about your placenta being close to your C-section scar or things like that. So I started to learn about like placenta creta and placenta previa and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I started to get really scared. And I was so nervous. I was like, Oh, this is so bad. This is going to ruin my, my VBAC, I'm, if something, if it's too close or whatever, this is so bad. Because at that point, I started to get really comfortable with the birth center idea. And I was like, okay, I need to stay out of the hospital. That's what's going to be my chance for success with this VBAC. I give in to pressure way too easy. If I do that, all these interventions are going to happen, and it's just going to be a repeat C-section. So I didn't want to go to the hospital, like, for anything, <laughs> So I was like, no, I really hope this this anatomy scan goes well. So they did the scan, and every time I went into the hospital for whatever, for testing or whatever, they always would ask me, 
about my C-section and like why I was going to do a VBAC and they would kind of be like judgy, like that they thought that wasn't safe. It was kind of weird. I didn't really like it, but that's kind of how this ultrasound went. And I kind of was watching the ultrasound and watching her notes and things like that. She was typing on there and she basically like wrote on there that my placenta was right over. Yeah. Like right over my C-section scar. Hmm. So I was like, what? But I was like, I'm going to wait for Danielle to call me with the results. And so later she called me and she's like, we need to check into this further because I don't believe it. But your results say that your placenta is embedded into your C-section scar. Whoa. And so I was like, what? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I was so upset. I was crying and I just was so freaked out. And I probably like made it worse on myself by researching more and finding out about like how your placenta can invade your other organs and like all kinds of things. I started freaking out thinking I was going to have to have a repeat C-section and a hysterectomy. I was just Hmm. so worried. And so I went to three different hospitals and got a whole bunch more ultrasounds and no one would ever give me a definitive answer. They just would say, um, I'm not going to call it, but you should just schedule a C-section anyway. Mm. And they'd be, like, really vague about it. And I'd be like, no, like, you can tell me everything, even use whatever lingo you need to. Tell me where my placenta is in relation to my scar, you know? Tell me, give me some numbers, show me on the ultrasound. Like, I, like, let me see. And finally, someone told me, okay, your placenta is not attached to your scar. It's three centimeters away. And it only needs to be one centimeter away yeah. to have a V-back. So I was so upset. Like, <laughs> I was happy because I knew that meant that I wouldn't be facing any of that anymore. But I was, like, way upset that I went through all that stress. And I was, like, considering I was just going to do a V-back anyway, but I was going to do it at a hospital. Because I thought, okay, no one's saying whether this is actually happening or not. So I'm going to still do my back, but I'm going to do it in a hospital just in case. So there's like the OR, yeah. whatever, just in case. But after that, I was like, no, that's a definitive answer. I'm staying with the birth center and everything's going to be fine. And my family was like, what? But they said it was embedded in your scar. And I'm like, I don't know what that was. But yeah. I saw and they showed me and someone finally pointed it out to me. It's not embedded in my scar. I'm having my VBAC, not in a hospital. So it was such a weird like piece of the story (laughs) to have to happen and so much stress for nothing. So fast forward to when I had her. So I was due with her June 25th, which was really freaky because my son was born June 27th. So I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have my kids to have the same birthday. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> but um, I started having prodromal labor, and it was just torture <laughs> towards the end of my pregnancy of thinking I was having contractions and not really, and weird, inconsistent contractions and not knowing for sure. And, and it was so different from my first birth because I'd never felt like actual contractions. And so I was like, this is just so crazy. How am I supposed to know when this baby's really coming? I'm like stressed out. But I was 39 and four. Well, it was a couple days before that, though. I started leaking fluid. And I wasn't sure because with Asher, they broke my water. 
at the hospital. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever leak or anything, so I didn't know what it was and if I, it was pee or, like, what, because people I was trying to, like, compare to other people who said, oh, it feels like a pop, and then you have a gush of fluid or or things like that. And I was like, this isn't like that. It's just every once in a while, I'm just leaking. And so, I don't know, I'm probably just peeing my pants. So I just let it go for a while, and I just wore a pad. But pretty soon, it was just kind of getting worse. To like, every time I would move or do anything, there was fluid coming out. And it just felt different. I don't know. It didn't feel like pee. So I was like, this is kind of, this has got to be fluid. So I went to the birth center, and I asked her if she could, like, check. Like, they have those things. I don't remember what they're they're called, but they can test whether it's fluid, like, what type of fluid it is. But mm-hmm. um, so I went there, and she the first thing she did was ask me if I wanted to do that because she was trying to say that once she kind of went into that area that it would put me at risk for infection or it would put me on the clock. And I was kind of like going back and forth because I was like, I don't want to be put on the clock because then that means if it goes on too long, they're going to send me to the hospital. So I just was like, do it anyway and we can put me on the clock, but I might be stubborn and, and we'll just see how it goes. And, so she she checked and she asked me if I wanted to have a cervical check and I was like no we're not going to do that like just check the fluid which is not as invasive and then we're done and as long as I just know if it's fluid or not mm-hmm. and it was so I have been leaking fluid for like a day and so she was like hey well we didn't do the cervical check so we're not putting it on on the clock and but let's just watch it because I still wouldn't really be comfortable with you going like maybe more than 12 hours And I was like, okay. So I think it it was the next morning after that that I started having, like, more intense contractions. And I started timing them. And every time I had contractions, they were really close together. But they just weren't consistent. So I felt like that wasn't, like, a good indication or not. But they were feeling more intense. So I was like, it's getting a little bit more strong. And she's like, okay, that's good. Maybe things are happening. So I went in that morning and... I'm trying to remember. It's crazy. It's only been six months. (laughs) But I think she might have had me go home for a few hours after I went there initially and then come back in the afternoon, I think is what happened. And I went back, but it it was just a long labor. I'm actually not even sure how long it was. It was so long. And at some point I did agree to cervical checks just because I was so curious. And that's such a, like, huge thing for how people measure like how soon things are happening, even though, I don't know, it's, it's not usually a very good indicator, but people mm-hmm. like it. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just like, I want to know. Yeah. And I kept thinking I'm probably like a six and she checked me and she's like, you're like a two. Oh, like, no. I was like, okay, I shouldn't have had her check because now I'm obsessed. And that sounds so bad, but I was like a two or a three for so long. And I was laboring at the birth center and it was kind of like stressful because I had a lot of family there because everyone wanted to be there. And I was kind of like, I don't know if I want everyone there because then I'm going to feel stressed. But everyone wanted to be there because everyone was so curious because they felt like I was doing something so risky. So I kind of was like, fine, you can be here because I want to show you that it's not risky or scary. But at the same time, I was so stressed out. It was just a really tense situation while I was in labor in there. Everybody was trying to poke their heads in and wanting to know what was going on. And I was like, can you just 
let me labor. <laughs> it's hard to be but, the host um, of your own birth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like my team. So I had two midwives there, two student midwives. One of them was a massage therapist. So there was like quite a few people on, on my birth team already. And then my family that was there, just a lot of people. And my midwives were trying to like advocate for me because I told them beforehand, I was like, my family's going to be really like wanting to know everything and I'm not going to have any balls to like kick them out. Mm-hmm. So they were like, well, we'll do it. And so they did. And my family was so irritated, but I didn't care because I was so glad. I was just yeah. like, thank you. So it was a rough labor, like just because it was so long and I was so tired, but there was a lot of good with it. Like, I feel like I, I did it really well. I had read a lot of books about natural childbirth beforehand, and I painted a whole bunch of birth affirmations that we hung around the birth center, and I took uh, hypno-babies, which I kind of sucked at practicing, but the things that I learned mm-hmm. in there and the techniques still really helped me because I was able to like breathe through my contractions and just kind of focus and get into like a good mind space. Yeah. So... It was taking a while, but it wasn't, like, super painful or it wasn't bad. And it was just a really beautiful space, and it was good. At some point, they let me get in the water, and I wanted to have a water birth so bad. That was, like, my thing. I I told myself the whole pregnancy that she was going to be delivered in the water and that that was going to be the thing that was going to soothe me. And it was so nice getting in the water. It just, like made everything like 50% or more better, <laughs> you know? It yeah. was it was so nice. I just wanted to take a nap in there because I was yes. so tired. But <laughs> so I went on, labored, and I kind of got into this weird, like, mindset where I was in, like, denial. I kept thinking, I'm only dilated two or three. I'm only dilated two or three. <laughs> and she checked me and told me I, again, and told me I was at a seven. And I remember that, but, like, it did not register in my mind. I kept thinking I was at a three and that my labor was just going to go on forever. And (laughs) then transition was interesting. I was still in denial, and I started asking if I could go to the hospital, which was so, like, looking back on that, I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wasn't going to do that, but, like, please just let me go to the hospital. And she's like, you're not going to the hospital. I know you don't want that. Plus, you are so close that we, we wouldn't make it. And... I didn't know that. Like, I didn't register that in my mind. I was so in denial. I just kept thinking, we would make it to the hospital. I'm not even close. But um, got back in the water because I got in and out a few times and, like, went and sat on the toilet and things, which was actually a nice place to be, too. Got back in the water and my body started pushing, which was a really cool sensation that I had heard about happening naturally. And it was really cool because I didn't feel myself pushing. I didn't feel any of the pushing that happened with Asher, I was totally numb. And so I was like, Oh, this is how it is. But I kind of looked at my midwives, like, is that what I'm supposed to do? Because I started going from just moaning to like the low grunting, pushing sound. (laughs) (laughs) um, So they looked at me and they're like, yeah, that's what you do. They're like, go for it. (laughs) And I'm like, are you sure though? And I kept thinking, breathe her out. Like, just let my body push her out and I didn't want to like push too hard and I was still just trying to have everything just do it on its own and I was still kind of in denial a little bit like I don't know why I was so in denial towards the end but 
I just wouldn't actually help my body push. I I just like didn't trust it and and I was kind of getting nervous and so she had me jump out. She's like, "You got to push." And I'm like, "I know, but I I am, you know, but she had me get out and get on the birth stool so she could kind of see what was going on. And so I ended up delivering her on the birth stool, which was kind of interesting. I didn't think I'd have a baby on a birth stool, but it was cool. And I didn't feel her come out at all. It was kind of cool. I, I was kind of waiting for like the ring of fire that people talk about. But it just, I didn't feel anything. I just, you know, it felt like she was there and then it felt like there was just like a pressure release, like that it, there wasn't so much pressure down there anymore. And she's like, she's out. And she let me hold her. And I was like, oh my goodness, that was so much easier than I was worried about. <laughs> um, and I just held her and it like took me a minute to register what was happening. It was such a weird mindset to be in that headspace. But I was just like, whoa, she's actually here in my arms. And my son came in and he looked at her and and it was cool to have him there and then I delivered the placenta, and that was easy, and that was kind of cool because I didn't get to do that with a C-section, and it was just so awesome. It, like, took me a few moments, but then, like, I realized that I finally just had done that, and so I got really emotional. I was really emotional during my whole labor, actually, but <laughs> the after I realized that she was actually there, it was way crazy. I was just like, oh, I just did that. But I started to kind of feel lightheaded, so they gave me some oxygen, took me over to the bed, checked everything out. I didn't tear at all, which was really cool, because the very final push that I did was like this almighty, I'm just going to rip myself to shreds push, <laughs> because <laughs> I wasn't pushing good enough before, and so I was just like, I'm just going to give it my all, and if I tear, it's fine. But I didn't tear at all, so I was really happy about that, because I was a little nervous for it. Mm-hmm. But um, after that, I just got to... Everything was so, like, slow and just take it easy and just, it was so nice. Like, whereas a hospital, I feel like everything is kind of rushed. Mm-hmm. Like, they kind of take away the baby and want to clean them up and all kinds of things. But this was so just relaxed and I just got to hold my baby and nobody took her from me to do anything. And everything was just my call and it was really relaxed and my family was there and it was just, so, so what did your family cool. say after everything? Yeah. Since you had your, your whole paparazzi, you know, were they so yeah. proud of you? Were they happy? Were they excited? Did their fear and their thoughts of VBAC go away? How did that look? Um, I don't know. I don't, they kind of just, they don't really, they didn't really say anything about it afterwards. They kind of like, I think it hurt their their argument, you know, like it, mm-hmm. <laughs> they felt mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I wasn't right or something. But mm-hmm. I mean, right at the very end, my mom, she was there, but I didn't want her in the actual room because she was like the biggest non back supportive mm. person, but she's my mom. So I let her be there, but I didn't want her in the room. But when I was pushing, I was like, yeah, she needs, she needs to come in. And so I had her on one side of me holding my hand and then on the other side of me was Zoe's dad and they hugged each other after she came out. And then my mom hugged me and she told me she was proud of me. And mm. like in the moment, I think my mom was really proud and really impressed and she like couldn't believe it because she just didn't believe me the whole time. She kept saying no. 
And even during my labor, her and pretty much everybody in my family kept thinking I was going to have to be transferred. And so no one believed me until she came out. So it was just really crazy. Everyone, Everyone's emotions totally changed after she came out. It was like relief and like disbelief, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of cool, but I kind of like, I don't know, kind of wanted to like have a little bit more of them like saying <laughs> that like I wanted like that I told you so moment a mm-hmm. little bit more but I didn't I didn't bug them about it I was just like well yep and then like a, a few days afterwards I remember my mom was just looking at me and she I was like what and she goes you have natural childbirth because other than the fact that she had c-sections she was like, well, if you're going to have a baby in the hospital, you're going to have to get an epidural because nobody can do natural childbirth. And I'm like, well, people do it all the time. And so I did it. And so that, she was like really blown away by that. She's like, I can't believe you had natural birth. And I'm like, yeah. And then immediately everybody started asking me, would you do it again? I'm like, well, A, I just did it. So can you give me a few days <laughs> after that? Because that, it's a little fresh. But almost immediately, I was like, yes, I will totally do that again. I would do it again because it was so amazing. But I actually left out a really important part. That, that is so bad. But um, I mentioned with my C-section that he was trying to turn Asher. And I didn't know what he meant by that. But when Asher came out, he had a huge like hematoma on the side of his head, like on his crown, but off to the side. Wow. And so that's the way that he was coming out. He was coming out like asynclitic. Asynclitic. Mm-hmm. In my labor with Zoe, they had checked me, and Daniel told me, "Your cervix is half dilated to an eight and half dilated to a 10. And she says that tells me that she's coming out crooked. So let's get the rebozo and let's do some stuff to get her to to turn and kind of come down straighter. I was still in denial at this point, so I was like, I didn't even hear 8 and 10. I didn't hear any of that. I just went along with whatever they wanted me to do and everything, and I didn't register any of it till later. But she came out, and she had the same exact hematoma on her head that Asher did, only it was smaller. Her head wasn't as coney as his, and her hematoma wasn't as as large. Mm -hmm. It was in the same spot. And so I was like, they were coming out exactly the same way. Interesting. But my midwife, but your midwife knew, knew how to, yeah, knew what to do. Yeah. So they just, and it was way like they just, you know, sifted my belly with the rebozo, and and that was it. And the massage therapist that was there, she did a little bit of work on me too, and she was able to come out after that super easy. So it was really cool to realize that. That was awesome. Like I was like, what? So I was like, there's just such a simple thing that if you know about the position your baby's in and if you know how to, you know, spinning babies, then you can really make a big difference in how in your birth outcome. So yep. I thought that was so cool. I was like, yeah. that is, that, that was like supposed to happen so that I know that I wasn't crazy and thinking that Asher could have come out yeah. normal because yeah. everybody, because they said in my C-section report, CPD and like failure to progress or something. And everyone kept telling me my pelvis was too small, mm-hmm. which is what they told my mom, mm-hmm. which is why she had C-sections. 
Yeah. And I just kept thinking, that is so not a, a real thing. And he, how can he prove that? Because yeah. he didn't it's hard. take like a x-ray of my pelvis or anything or I don't know. That just doesn't seem like you can just call that so easily. Right. So it was very validating that after I pieced together Asher's birth and I thought to myself that he he was not positioned correctly and a few other things that with Zoe's birth being able to move freely and do certain things during my labor that I couldn't with the epidural and then being able to turn her with the rebozo and and just with a little bit of help that she was able to come out. So it was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that Megan's pretty nifty with the rebozo herself. <laughs> She's got some magic baby training tricks I love tr- the rebozo. <laughs> yeah, no, I do love the rebozo. I wonder kind of what was happening when you said like you were an eight and a 10. I wonder if um, you had like an like a lip. So like yeah. the, the side that your baby's head was actually pressing against was like fully dilated, but the other side that wasn't getting that pressure could have been, I don't know. I wonder when you said that. Yeah, I was like, just huh, a little odd. I wonder. Yeah. Eight and ten. I, I don't know exactly I how wonder. it all. Yeah, how it all works or why, but that's what she. That's so I remember her saying that yeah. that told her that she was coming out crooked, and so yeah. they just hurry and jumped on the rebozo and, and knew what to do Turned and her head. It was awesome. Yep, that's so awesome. I was so glad because, and I kind of knew it because I knew it a little bit because I had so much like pressure in the left side of my pelvis, which I had with Asher too. Mm-hmm. And they were both like so low with their head down in my pelvis. And it was, it was like to the left. Like I could just tell. And, but they would like check her position and stuff just by feeling around. And they were like, she's in a good position. She's, She's head down and she's she's good, but her head was so so in there. It was really wedged in. Mm-hmm. So I I think that wasn't as easy to tell until labor was happening and they were checking things out and it was really cool. Awesome. It was so awesome. And the other thing that happened, which was kind of weird, but it happened, is after I had my epidural with Asher, I had pain in on my epidural site for years yeah. after having him and it still hurt throughout my pregnancy with Zoe and after giving birth to her that pain's gone interesting and so some people that I've talked to about it have said well it's probably maybe it's because a baby like passed through like that part of your body and so it you needed a little adjustment know. or something huh. yeah. yeah something like that huh. something happened that giving birth healed that somehow so it was it was cool because I remember after having Asher I was like my back hurts so bad and after I had Zoe my parents would ask me how my back was doing and I was like honestly it's all gone like I can bend over and change her diaper and it doesn't hurt anymore that is amazing that was kind of cool yeah something about that healed healed that up cool yeah awesome Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We are going to have some tips on our blog right now all about how to get your baby into a great position and then, if necessary, how to get that baby switched into a better position while you're in labor. So we're going to have lots of tips, lots of tricks. Megan's wrote a very awesome blog for us, Mm -hmm. Um, theviewbacklink.com slash blog. 
Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.